Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. We're reading the Bible together, girls. We're back in the book of John, and today we're studying chapters four and five. We're looking at a story where Jesus talks to the woman at the well and the healing at the pool of Bethesda. There's so much to take from this week, so settle in. We're back with the book of John, and for anyone who's picking up this week and hasn't listened to the past three. The book of John is cool because John is basically saying Jesus did tons and tons of things. This is like an overview and it's not everything. These are specifically the things, the signs that he was the Messiah Mm -hmm. and things that we can learn from. So it's jam packed of stuff. Every single chapter that Jesus taught things that he did that we can take something from. So That's why it feels like drinking out of a fire hose just a little bit. It definitely does, (laughs) especially to try and make it a 30-minute podcast. We're like, okay. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, how do we do this? So, But it's so good. Jesus wants us to know him, and this is such an opportunity for us to just share with you what we learn as we study, give you bits and pieces just to pique your interest. Hopefully you do want to know more and that you can get into the word one-on-one with God and study it and learn more about him because that is the goal. We can't possibly cover it all. Yeah. But here we are. We're picking up in the like (laughs) forbidden area yeah Samaria (laughs) so what we're gonna see is we chapter four the bulk of chapter four is Jesus's conversation with a Samaritan woman and just to give you all a little bit of context around what's going to be happening. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. He's leaving Judea and headed to Galilee. So he's working his way up um, and right smack dab in the middle of Judea and Galilee is a place called Samaria. And in those days, Jews did not interact with people from Samaria, which are called Samaritans. You've maybe heard of the Good Samaritan, which is a parable that Jesus talks about. We can get into that on another podcast. I always knew that the Samaritans were avoided and that the Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. But what I didn't realize is why. So basically, they were racially mixed. So like obviously the people that were born Jewish, that was their race. Mm -hmm. And then the people that were Gentiles, they were not Jewish. So these were people that were Jews who had married Gentiles and had babies. Basically, they had mixed their bloodline with the pagan cultures. Right. Which was a big no-no. Like they're told in the Old Testament not to do that. Right. Because all of the law is about keeping clean. Yep. And so it's like, You've literally broken the ultimate law. Which is so important. In this specific story, Jesus and his disciples are traveling. And most of the time when people would travel from Judea to Galilee, they wouldn't go through Samaria if you were a Jew. You would go around it. It would take longer because they believed that even just walking through the town would make you what is called unclean. And if you were unclean, you couldn't go into the temple. You couldn't, like, worship God. It wasn't just through walking through Samaria that you would get unclean. There's a ton of different ways that people could become unclean in those days. But they would that's they structured their lives around trying to remain clean. So Jews would not go through Samaria. So where we're picking up the story, I love it because it actually says, 
Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Like it says, tells us that in verse four. And it's so interesting because he didn't. Right. Culture would have said he should have gone around. But John is telling us, no, he had to pass through. It's like there's a burden on his heart to speak to this woman. He had somebody to meet with in Samaria. And so his disciples have gone into town to find some food. And Jesus is at a well. And it says that it's the sixth hour, which would have been noon. So like sun is high up in the sky. And Jesus sits down at this well. And when he gets there, there's a woman there, a Samaritan woman. And so... Emily, will you read for us 7 through 26? Yep, I will. Okay, so this is John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. I love it. That when he's love it too. He, the last line when he says I who speak to you am he it gives me like chills thinking about it. Like Me too. Mic drop. It was literally mic drop. And then the next verse it says just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking yeah. with a woman. So it's almost like imagine like walking into the room and you're like wait, I just walked in on a conversation. Like, like literally what is you're happening? You're like, uh, I shouldn't be here. And here's like several reasons for us to understand how crazy it would have been that Jesus was talking to this woman. Because number one, she's a Samaritan. Jews did not talk to Samaritans. And then a woman on top of that, like in those days, men didn't talk to women. Like it was socially unacceptable to have a conversation with a woman in public. You didn't do that. And then number three, she has been married five times. One thing that we don't understand unless we have some like cultural context is when women went to draw water from the well, it was a social activity. Like it was something they all did together 
in the morning because they would use that water throughout the day to cook, to clean, to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they needed to get the water early and the, all the women would travel out together to the well with their jars. And like, I don't know, it's like sitting around a lunch table. Like they would all chat and catch up. Yeah. And this woman is there at noon in the hottest part of the day. And it's because she was socially outcast. Jesus tells us she had had five husbands. The only reason that it would be socially acceptable to not be married is because her husband would have died. And so the way that she answered him was a little deceptive because Jesus was like, go get your husband. And she said, I have no husband. But she was not really telling the full truth. She was basically saying, oh, like maybe I've been widowed. You know what I mean? That is so true. Like, probably because she's used to people shaming her. To protect herself. Yeah, like, she clearly has come to a place in life where she's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to protect myself. She doesn't want anybody to see her. But what I love about that is Jesus had to come through Samaria because he wanted to see her. She was trying so hard to remain hidden, but Jesus still comes to her and, like, meets her where she is. And that even just like thinking about for myself and my own like things that I walk through or shame that I feel that I don't want people to know about like Jesus sees that and he's there with us in that. Yeah. And I want to like, I guess for lack of a better phrase, like double click on the living water part of this because Jesus is explaining to the woman like one, okay, water. Let's think about the importance of water. (laughs) Like we require a lot of water. Like you can go days without eating technically, but like our bodies cannot literally can physically not function without water. It's like three days or something and you'll die. (laughs) Right. Which is crazy. And so Jesus is using an analogy here. And we see him do this several times throughout the gospel where he's talking about water, but he's really talking about the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying the way that your body needs water, like how vital that is to you. I want to give you this thing that's that vital, like water that will permanently satisfy you. Right. Jesus says that he'll give you a spring of living water and not just a well of living water, a well could dry up or can be like you can fill in the well and the water goes away but a spring is like a natural source from the earth where the water can't be stopped like the water continues to come back no matter what and so what Jesus is saying is life with him is like having a spring of living water no matter what we're walking through like there is life in us because we have Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit but To keep us moving along in the story, because I want y'all to know how this ends up. So Jesus has this conversation with her. He tells her, I who speak to you am he. Yes, I am the Messiah. And let's just pause there for one second. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine that he is like, he's saying that to her. Of all the people, if you imagine you grew up Jewish and you've been waiting your whole life for a Messiah to come and save your people and like to fulfill the law. Everyone has been mm-hmm. working so hard for so long to stay clean. And so he, this righteous man's going to roll up into like the temple yeah. and he's going to tell all the Pharisees, here I am. And I'm, I've come to save the day, but he's sitting here telling a complete outcast and a woman and a, a person that's not worked to stay clean at all. And he's sitting here having this private moment with her 
and telling her, it's me. Yeah. And I want to give you living water. Like, he's not afraid of her. He's not afraid of her past. Like, he's meeting her in that and saying, like, I'm here for you. Like, put yourself in the Samaritan woman's shoes. What are we walking through that we're trying to hide from Jesus or to scurry away from the truth? And he's trying to say, like, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm here with you in it. You're not alone. And no matter what you're walking through, there's a spring of living water that I want to extend to and you. I have time for you. Yeah, totally. Think about how unimportant she feels. Yeah. She's like, I feel like a burden. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to hide. And Jesus is going to intentionally meet with her. Yeah. It's not an accident. Like that is him showing us the heart of God. Oh, 100%. We didn't read this part yet, but it says that in verse 28, after the disciples come back and they ask him, they literally are like, why are you talking to her? Like they're shocked because yeah. of all the reasons we mentioned he shouldn't be talking to her. And then it says that the woman left her water jar. So the whole reason she came there in the first place, she left the water jar behind Yeah. and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And so even just thinking about her, like, leaving the water jar behind, I love that John throws in that detail because he's like, what she was actually seeking was somebody to love and care for her. And she didn't know that. She was trying, like, to fill the need with hiding and getting water when nobody else was around. And she leaves that. She leaves the water behind, goes into the town, and says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. She faces all the people she was hiding from. Yeah. And I don't know about y'all, <laughs> but crazy. sometimes when I read that, like, seeing somebody who told me all I ever did, like, that sounds scary. But the fact that she's saying it with almost, like, this deep love and pride, like, she wants people to know about Jesus. So then, just to finish out the story, it says that the town comes out, they meet Jesus, and they believe Jesus came for everybody. There's no exclusions. There's nobody he doesn't want to reach. There's nobody he doesn't want to have a relationship with. And then it also says he stayed there for two days, which I love. He's like, okay, I'm going to hit. I have time for you. I'm going to have, yeah, I'm not in a hurry. I'm here. I want to, I want to be with you. Okay, so the next part of chapter four, we're not going to read. You should go read it if you want to. We highly suggest it. You really it's should. chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. And what happens is Jesus left Samaria, made it to Galilee. We're told that an official who would have been somebody that works for the Roman government, so not a Jew, he was a Roman, comes to Jesus and says that his son is sick and asks Jesus to heal him. They have like a little short conversation. Jesus ends up telling him, go, your son will live. And so as the official is like making his way back to his house, he's met by his servants and they tell him like, your son is alive. Like he's fine. He's, he's healed. And I do want to highlight this because I think yeah. it's really cool. They ask, he asks them like, what time did this happen? And guess what time? The seventh hour. The exact time he was talking to Jesus. Yes, and sevens are so yeah. important all throughout the book of John. This is the second of the seven big miracles that are like pointing to Jesus being the Messiah. Pretty cool that it happens at the seventh hour. Like nothing is a mistake. So that's the end of chapter four. Yeah, I love, I love chapter four. I think that the theme of that is he just keeps trying to impress upon everyone. Like they're... 
is a physical world where like we have needs, like we need to drink water, we need to eat food and that's going to keep happening. But there is this way to experience this like eternal life, this living water through Jesus. It's just so cool that everywhere he goes, he's like, here I am. I'm bringing it. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, um, I mean, obviously hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years they've been just in the same routines. We can't relate with hundreds and hundreds of years, but at least for my entire life, I've been in routines and there's like social norms and there's places that you just have to go and there's like things that you just have to do. And I remember, I mean, this is not the same. I'm not relating Jesus to COVID, but I just wonder if like it might strike a chord to think about. We had been going about our lives until COVID hit and everyone was like, wait, now we just have to stay at home. I remember the shelter in place order or whatever when they were like you you can't leave your home and we're like wait what (laughs) but I have a doctor's appointment wait what but I have to go to school it's like no you're not going to school you're not going to the doctor's appointment you're not gonna like hug a friend you're staying home just that feeling of when all of your normal life and all of the things that you expect life to be is changed for whatever reason it takes a while to believe that it's true they were set in like 500, 600, 700 years of patterns of doing the same thing over and over again. Like, this is what life looks like. This is what it looks like to be devout. This is what it looks like to be clean. This is what it looks like to, like, follow God. And so for Jesus to come in and say, like, nope, the Samaritans aren't dirty. Like, (laughs) we're just going to, like, hang out with them. It would be so shocking. It would be really hard to... It's a good example of thinking about it, like, with COVID. And you're like, wait, what? This is not how we live. This is not what we do. Yeah. Especially because I had gone through most of my life feeling obligated, as we all do, to do lots of things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I have to go do this. I have to go do that. And so when all of a sudden that pressure, like, the societal pressure is, like, released, you're like, wait. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what is life? So I bet they're really having these existential moments where they're like, what have we been doing for our entire lives? Or like, you can't be right. Right. Like, I I don't, I can't accept what you have to say. It's just like, it's, it's too different. It's too crazy. So I, like when I'm reading this, I try to get into their shoes and think what it would look like to accept this one man's word. But then as people encounter him, they instantly believe him. Well, okay. I will say that not everybody who encountered him believed him. This is a good segue because the next story that we're going to talk about is really so good and it has moved me. (laughs) So I can't wait to say. It's amazing. But a lot of the people encountering him were like, oh, you are God. And then there's a group of people who were not willing. And so here is a perfect segue into the story about the healing at the pool of Bethesda. So this is chapter five. Okay, let's go two through nine. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, He said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going in, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. 
And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Okay, the first thing that happens is that this man encounters Jesus and is healed. First of all, the word invalid means that these people are disabled for whatever reason. Most of them can't walk. And so, yeah. and there, there may be other issues that they have as well. They're very sick and they've all gathered there. I don't know exactly how many people, but there's five covered porches and they go there to lay in the shade because there's like a legend that an mm-hmm. angel will stir this pool. But if you get in there, then you'll be healed. So... All these people are laying here, and this one particular man had been there for 38 years. Jesus comes to him, and he asks him, do you want to be healed? Basically, through his answer, he's communicating. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when it's stirred, and everyone else gets there first. So what he's trying to say is, I would gladly accept your help getting in the pool for healing. And then Jesus says, no, I'm not going to put you in the water. Get up. You're healed. But there's a controversy. So this is on the Sabbath. And there were things that you could not do on the Sabbath. And this was one of those things. It's like carrying any weight. When they were told not to work, like to keep the Sabbath holy, they came up with like all these ways. Okay, how do we do that? You know, which makes sense. Like you're right. like, all right, we want to keep the Sabbath Let's keep holy. it extra Nobody holy. Nobody told us how. Yeah. Like, how do we do it? So one of the rules was like, you can't carry anything from yeah. one place to another. The rabbis taught that the only one who could do work on the Sabbath without sinning is God. So... It's on the Sabbath, and the man has taken up his bed, and he's walking around carrying Mm -hmm. a weight. And the Jews come to him and say, what are you doing? (laughs) Literally, like, you are breaking the law. (laughs) Which is crazy. Yeah, so they're mad. And he says, this man made me do it. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who's the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? And he said, he didn't remember. So... He's like, oh, shoot, I don't know who I can blame this on. (laughs) But he's instantly, like, trying to skirt away from the blame because he could be prosecuted. Like, I mean. He's like, it's not my fault. Right. Somebody told me to. Yep. Then in verse 14, Jesus comes back. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you're well. Sin no more and nothing worse may happen to you. As soon as he realizes that it was Jesus that healed him, he leaves the conversation, and he goes straight back to the Pharisees and says, it was Jesus that told me to do it. Like, I had always read this thinking that he was testifying, Jesus healed me. Yeah. But that is the opposite of what this is saying. Everybody knew at this point, Jesus could heal people. He wasn't saying, Jesus is God, look, he healed me. He was going back to the powers that be to try to appease their anger. Clear his name. Clear his name by blaming it on Jesus. And so because of that, the Pharisees approach Jesus again with new ammo. The Pharisees completely miss it. Like this man's life has changed forever. He's been healed and they're so caught in the law. They can't get their heads out of that enough to celebrate with this man you know they're not celebrating like the man that actually got healed it doesn't say that he believed it doesn't say that he celebrated it doesn't say that he like helped others believe he was not appreciative i'm not gonna go into much of this but the rest of chapter five is something that i felt personally convicted by Mm -hmm. because 
it goes into a conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus where they have new ammo. They're super, super angry because Jesus is not only breaking every rule, but when they approach him, they had taught that only God can work on the Sabbath. And when they approach him, Jesus says, yeah, my father and I are doing our work. And they are livid. I mean, this is like blasphemous. They go into this long conversation. He says a lot of things to them that I want you guys to read on your own. And this is why. This is something that I have been trying to do recently when I'm reading the Bible. And I want to encourage you to take this into your own quiet time. The Pharisees are not bad. Mm -hmm. They are stuck in their ways and they're missing something. When I'm reading through the Bible and I'm villainizing the Pharisees, I like to ask myself, okay, wait, instead of putting myself in Jesus's shoes for a minute, put yourself in the Pharisees shoes. What am I missing that is causing me to believe something different than Jesus? Believe something Mm -hmm. different than what he says will bring me life. They are doing it for the right reasons. Like they are protecting They're feeling protective of the temple, which is the exact same thing that we celebrate Jesus for just in the last like two chapters ago. So it's like the difference is he's saying, I am the Messiah and here's what you are missing. Here's what you don't know. And they can't accept it. They go into a long conversation and he, he accuses them of loving Moses more than they love God because Moses is the one that brought the law. And I felt so convicted. I think there's something for all of us to take from asking ourselves what we're missing. Hmm. What are we attached to that is opposite from what Jesus is actually trying to say? So I really encourage you to lean in there. And we're not going to focus on that conversation or the rest of chapter five. We're going to go lean in a little bit more with this man. He as well as all of these other disabled people are lying around the pool because they believe that if they can get in the pool, they will have what they need. They'll be healed. They're making that water, which I don't think it's an accident that it's also water. Yeah. They're seeing it as the thing that will restore them, save them. Their salvation. Yeah. Yes. And if you put yourself in that place... What are the things that we believe Hmm. will save us? Like, what are the pools that we're lying around just waiting to jump in? Like, we live our life trying to establish our significance and our security. Hmm. So for some people, it is pleasing their parents. Like, you live your entire life trying to please your parents because you think that if you do, then you'll be secure. You'll be approved of. The other approach that we take is building up our own self-esteem. I think you're trying to establish that I'm good. And the way that culture tells Mm -hmm. us that we can establish that we're good is we're accomplished, we're smart, we're making money, and we're thin. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you can check those boxes, then you feel good. And if any of those boxes go unchecked or if you don't feel like you've checked them thoroughly enough, there's this panic that we're not good. We're not secure. We're not there. And Jesus is coming into the situation. He's approaching the man. And he's saying, do you want to be healed? And we're saying, if you put yourself in the shoes of 
the disabled man. Hmm. I need some help. And I would love to accept your help to accomplish what I think will make me secure and what I think will make me good. But Hmm. Jesus saying, you're missing the point. I am your security. I'm what makes you good. Like those things in your life, your parents' approval or your dating relationship or your job or whatever it is that you actually think, they can fall into the proper place in your life and just become a good thing that you're working towards when Jesus is your security. Like when Jesus is the living water. living water. Yes. Yes. Circle back. Right. It's so true. Because it is true. He's saying like, don't miss it. Your joy is in me, not can I use Jesus to accomplish what I think will make me happy, but can I look to Jesus about what will make me happy? And trust him. Right. Then you're healed. You, you don't even have the need to lay by the water anymore. You can go back and visit, but you don't have to. You're not like right. bound to it anymore. So I hope that you can walk away from these stories, both a story where an outcast and a very, very unlikely person for Jesus to meet with one-on-one encounters God and believes him. She came looking for water and she left being like, I don't even need that because I found the Messiah. And then the person who had been disabled for 38 years and gets healed, but then still misses the point. He runs back to the powers that be to say, it was him that told me to do it. And I don't want to be in trouble. Right. He's scared. And one thing that I think is really, really important. If you haven't interacted much with the Bible, it might be easy to expect that the Bible's full of perfect people and like moral examples and you would read stories and people do such a good job so that we could be inspired to do good. But if it was like that, the Bible and the gospel would be all about being good. But in reality, Jesus came to bring the message that salvation is through grace. Salvation is because of what he did for us, the life that he lived, the death that he died so that we wouldn't have to. I just think it's really cool that the Bible's full of, like, flawed main characters. We read about how they were really foolish or made big mistakes, but God was able to meet with them and use Mm -hmm. them. It's not about looking perfect, being perfect. It's about trusting him and accepting the gift. Yeah. We say this all the time, but we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to Jesus. Like, he is there, he knows it all, and he loves us. Yep. You want to pray to close us? I would love to pray to close us. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this conversation. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, continue to reveal yourselves to us and help us learn and grow. Uh, God, give us the courage to be like the Samaritan woman um, who leaves her water jar behind because she's found you. God, would you help us leave behind the things that are not life-giving and that are not fulfilling and turn to you instead, trusting that you are living water and that you will satisfy more than anything else. We just say we love you and we trust you and we give you today. Amen. Amen. Well, there is an amazing sermon on this that I've now listened to twice by Tim Keller, but you need to go listen to it. We're going to link it in the show notes, but make sure to tune in next week for John chapter six and seven. We're just excited to keep studying this summer with you. Be on the lookout for the mini cast. We're going to be starting up soon. Woohoo! Bye. Bye.